Welcome to The Deciders. This is Renee Frazier, founder and CEO of Frazier Communications, the leading woman-owned and woman-led advertising communications firm in Southern California. But our show, The Deciders, is not about advertising. On The Deciders, we feature leaders, change agents who share their stories and insights, and we focus on issues and information that will help businesses grow stronger and improve their impact. On The Deciders, we often explore ways we can help women. Well, today we're going to talk about women as startups. We all know it's harder for women-led startups to raise capital. Uh, Their data is very clear, and unfortunately, the amount of money that is given to women is under, I believe, 4% in terms of investment funds. But we have on the show today a woman who has focused in on women-led startups. Her company, 33 Capital LLC, is funding and empowering women entrepreneurs. She also works closely with the Women Founders Network, which I'm a part of and we've talked about before. We're going to talk today about what it takes to strengthen women-led startups and how we too can invest in those. Welcome to the Deciders, Stacey Feinberg. Thank you. So happy. I'm so happy to be here. What a treat. Thank you. Well, thank you, Stacey. You and I were on a panel together. We had a lively conversation and I thought, how wonderful to be able to bring that to the airwaves and let our listeners hear the dialogue. Uh, Before that, we talk about investing. Tell us about your history in business. Sure. Well, it feels like a lifetime ago, but it was about 20 years ago. um, Well, for about 15 years, I ran a hedge fund with my then husband and it was uh, at equities, you know, it was um, we were making rich people richer. We had a lovely lifestyle. I'm not going to deny that. But I never felt like I was really making a difference. I was never proud. There was nothing, certainly nothing at a grassroots level. Um, and I used to complain about it, think about it, and was basically told not to think about it too much. <laughs> well, fast forward, we closed the hedge fund, ended the marriage, divided our assets. And I said, aha, now is my opportunity to do something really important with these funds that I've been so fortunate to be able to accumulate. So I did a little digging. I had done a little private equity. Again, not so touchy-feely. Didn't get that feeling like I was making a difference. And I was discovered something called angel investing. I was part of a philanthropic group called Circle of Angels down in San Diego. Loved it. My favorite part was the due diligence on the 501c3s. And I realized, why can't this be done with for-profit? Mm-hmm. Like it, it, you know, doesn't make sense that we're only uh, worrying about non-for-profit. And the fact of the matter is, you can invest in a way that you either make a fortune and then great, give it to not-for-profits, or you can also invest in companies and have almost a philanthropic lens, like I do. What do I mean by that? I don't want to lose money. Of course, I'm not going to give something just because, you know, it's it's a social impact company. I have to be able to believe that I'm going to get my money back, but. If they're doing something that I feel in my heart is really going to change the world and make it a better place and help an enormous amount of people. Right. If I don't make my money back, if I just get my money back, it takes away a little bit of this thing. I agree. And I understand. I, you know, I think you've done a pretty good job here, but I want to rewind and explain social impact. You said making the world a better place for sure. But talk about some of the ideas and the kinds of companies uh, that are that really do have social impact as their focus. And by the way, when I was investigating angel investing, I was fascinated by it, but I was dismayed to see that only 4% was going to women. 
And here we are all these years later, and it's still about 4%. We went up a little, we went down a little. Bottom line is we haven't really moved the needle. And the fact of the matter is we have more female founders. That's not the problem. We right. need more female funders. That's you true. That's true. But let's let's just sort of talk about what social impact means. Sure. First. Yeah. Social, let me give you an example. I have a company. It's called Giving, GVNG. What do they do? They make it possible for you to create a 501c3 in 20 minutes for $100 on your phone. Ah. You've ever tried to create a 501c3? Oh, a it, it used to take $100,000 in six months. And every Paper. attorney general of every year. Right. Oh. I'm amazed. Wow. So what it's going to do is forget GoFundMe. GoFundMe, they take a large chunk of money and it's not tax deductible. This way, the same people that would say, well, I can do a GoFundMe quickly can now do a 501c3 quickly. To I me, that's it. fabulous. I love it. I love it. So it has a positive impact on the culture. It helps people start really positive companies. I know that I've, of some of the social impact companies I've looked at are re related to recycling and reusing and uh, climate change innovation in that territory. Do you look at that area as well on the social impact side? I don't get as many of those things sent my way. I get a number of consumer goods. I have another product I'm very proud of that is, I like anything that democratizes. I like things that shake up the status quo and uh -huh. make things that are, uh, often you don't have to reinvent the wheel. So here is a company that's been around for 40 years that helps women keep their hair when they're going, not women, but everybody keep their hair when they're going through chemotherapy. Oh. It's eight to $10,000. They're huge machines. The infusion centers don't like to carry them. They take up too much space. They don't have a code to be able to have insurance reimburse them. And not many people have the means to pay for this. I've invested. I was the first check for a woman who went through this because she had a Stanford MBA and had an exit. She was able to pay that money. She wanted to democratize this to all those women that she saw sitting around her who lost all their hair because they couldn't come up with the funds. She has a portable device that you rent while you're having your chemotherapy and it's oh, covered by insurance. What a great idea. What a great idea. Well, let's talk about how you find these companies. Are you still part of a circle of investors or are you doing this on your own? How do you find the women-led and the social impact? I love Women Founders Network. We have an event every year called Women's Fast Pitch. We get about 130 applications from women-founded businesses. I read every single one of them. We vote. We narrow it down to 30, 20, and then we have our top 10. I've invested in a number of those. So I've discovered them there. I also belong to a group called Golden Seeds, which has really helped me, taught me a lot. We have about 275 members, uh, men and women. And so I, I see a lot of deal flow through those you know, meetings every two weeks. And I love, well, back in the day, and I'm, I'm, I'm eager to get back to them. Now they're on Zoom, but I love going to summits. I love going to you know, women held events. The one that I met cooler heads uh, was an event in San Diego at UCSD. Excellent. Excellent. So it's really looking for those events where startups are going to pitch and where you can meet the women. Uh, you know, I have to say the ones I've invested in, I, I know the women, I feel their energy and their passion. Uh, you know, it's one thing to read through the PowerPoint deck and look at all the numbers, which is important and do your due diligence. But I find it's the character of the person and their passion. How about you? How do you feel about that? Renee, I couldn't agree more. Honestly, the earlier the startup, the more important that the founder is. Because let's be honest, you know what the E means before a financial statement? Estimated. You know what that means? Made up. Right. So right. you really have to take it with a grain of salt. And so again, later stage, you've got lots of sales. I can be a little bit more forgiving, but I, you need to wow me. 
I don't love individual investors as much uh, founders as much as I love teams. I think a team is important. I think that you should have somebody with tech experience. Let me explain why. It costs a fortune. That's your most expensive expense. Everything has a tech component to nowadays. Even consumer goods has a tech component. If you can have somebody that can take that burden off of you, that's very important. Now, let's say it is a consumer brand. It's a good. Um, you want somebody with retail experience. You better have a partner that complements you. So I don't want to see twins pitching in front of me. I want to see complementary, yin and yang. But again, they really need to wow me because I've seen a lot of great products never come to fruition because it didn't have the proper team. I like that idea. I look for the same thing. I think a team is really important because you cannot be all things, right? You can't be the marketer and the person who knows distribution and knows the technology and understands the finances. Uh, and it also shows uh, humility, right? And, a, and an important sense of valuing others because to run a corporation, you need a team. And if you want to see them grow, it can't be just one person, the founder who takes all the credit. That's a hard lesson sometimes for people to learn. But I have to say, one of my biggest successes has been business schools, where I see them in incubators or in programs. And I always, when I judge those uh, competitions, talk to them about staying in communication, right? Because they find a, a really good tech person and they're a marketing person. You never know when your lives will, will there be another opportunity and the two of you may be the right team. I do the same. I love volunteering at uh, the Marshall School at USC and the Grief School of Entrepreneurship and UCLA. Um, I go to Harvard Business School, quite frankly. I, I, you get ideas all over the place. Um, I'm now working, a dear friend of mine does a lot at UC. There's a wonderful incubator down at um, Irvine, UC Irvine. And so I, I do that group. Uh, it's people say, oh, it's so nice of you to give your time. I say, I'm not as altruistic as you think, because a lot of these companies are pretty darn good. Yeah. And, you know, I may invest in them. Yeah. Well, you know what I like about you, Stacey, though, is you really care about the people. I know you give great feedback because when you do those kinds of uh, volunteer events, you're allowed, you ask questions, you give people advice, and it can be very constructive and helpful. But in particular, I wanted to feature or talk about Women Founders Network. I've been to a number of those events and sat on the board for a few years. And I see how wonderful the event is you just spoke of. But one of the things that's favorite to me is the teen girls that are there, the high school students. And you work with them. Tell us about that. Oh, well, now you're touching my heart. Um, I'm a mother of four. And I'm, I'm everybody's Jewish mother, so I can't help myself. And so this just falls in line with that. I love mentoring these young girls. They're ages 12 to 17. It's called the Junior Judges Program. And uh, there's, there's no charge. They sign up. We teach them how to be founders and funders because they might be both someday. They start off from all walks of life. Uh, almost all of them really know nothing. And so what I do is I make it as simple as possible, remembering I'm talking to young teens here. and. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll say things like, listen, don't ever be afraid. Don't get worried about these crazy acronyms, CAC, customer acquisition, blah, blah, blah. Let me tell you what it is. And we do everything based on real life experiences. So what's capital? Capital is your babysitting money that you've worked for 50 right. weeks to earn. And what's due diligence? Due diligence is the homework that you're going to do. And, you know, we just kind of do it like that. And I basically say to them, we're going to look at all these companies, ladies, and they want your babysitting money. And they promise to, to give it back to you and make a lot of money on that. Which one of these companies do you feel strongest that you're going to get that hard-earned money back? 
And what questions do you want to ask them before you make your decision? That's great. You simplify it and make it very real to them. I think that's wonderful. You know, I, uh, I, I love it because often the girls are right on too. You know, the junior judges are so right. And, uh, just so everyone knows, 5,000 and uh, often a lot of services, free legal services, free marketing services are given to the winners. Now, I've actually had on the show several of the winners and the, the companies, uh, ice cream. Remember the cookie dough lady? Edibles. Yes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Very successful. She was wonderful. And she was so smart because she was developing her brand as a brand, not just this was a edible cookie dough that is snackable and eatable. And she was doing all kinds of versions. She was smart. She knew she was preparing to be sold, right? Because larger companies can't, uh, don't seem to be able to invest in and build the same kind of spirit of entrepreneurship inside their company. So they look for companies on the outside. And, and we look for founders like that. I don't want a founder who says to me, I'm going to die running this company. No, I want them to say, and when we sell it in three years and then we do the next one, that's what I want to hear. I love when someone says, I've already thought of my extra strategy. I already know who's going to buy me. Excellent. That's part of it. Now let's talk about what are the other things we talked about the team, right? That you bring the team. It's not just you. Uh, Clearly, you have to have confidence and be bold, like you just mentioned. Be uh, visionary and see your exit strategy and be confident. What are some of the other recommendations you make to women who are thinking about starting their own companies? What do they First have to all, show? Wait as long as you can to get funding because it's going to be the most expensive funding you're ever going to get. So what do we do? We start with family and friends. Actually, some people max out their credit cards. Then they go to family and friends. Then when they have no more family and friends, because they've asked everybody, go find more family and friends. Mm -hmm. Then look for angel investors who will often do a safe or a convertible note or something where it's not equity and you're not giving a big chunk of your company away before you even know how valuable it is. Right, exactly. Then, only then, should you think about raising a seed series A where you're actually bringing institutional money. So my money, I'm my only investor, which makes things very easy as an angel investor. But once you get into venture capital, there's lots of limitations. It's other people's money and it becomes a whole other ball game. So people think it's very sexy to say I'm funded by a VC firm. I, I, I'm sorry. I feel very differently. And it's dangerous. I mean, you're going to end up giving a lot away and there's going to be, yeah. A, a, uh, and you may not be there long, right? And if it's very successful. People come to me with products and things all the time and I have to stop and say, I might not be the person that's going to use this product. So I've got to put on my investor cap, not my consumer cap, but I better understand it. She better explain it to me so that it's understandable. If I can't grasp my arms around something, I can't invest it. I can't write a check. If I can't explain it to a friend or a fellow angel investor, I can't, I can't do it. And I literally had somebody once, well, this moves on to something else, which is be the best person to give your pitch. If you are not the best person to give your pitch, Find somebody to give the pitch for you. I don't care if they become your director of marketing for that afternoon. But if you are not prepared, don't do it. I had a woman that was such a genius. I couldn't understand a word she was saying. Huh. I finally said, what is it? What am I listening to? A rocket scientist? And she said, yes, I work for NASA. <laughs> yes, she was a rocket. She was a genius. But I could not get my hands around any of it. And so therefore, she walked away without anything. Um, That's hard, isn't it, though, to admit that you don't have the skills to convey it. I mean, just in this discussion... You've been able, Stacey, to be able to describe things in 30 seconds, 22 seconds. Uh, whereas I know when I sit through some of those, sometimes at the end, you're saying, now exactly what 
are you proposing? Is it a platform? Is it a product? You can't tell. Uh, and, and you have to get it synthesized. But sometimes that means someone else says it. And they may not give all the depth you give, but it's just the tip of the iceberg, right, to get people enough interested that they say, tell me more. I have a PowerPoint I do, and it's basically called Wow Me. Wow Me. Wow me right away. I want to be excited. I want to know what you're doing and I want to know more. Years and years ago, I was a literary agent. And whenever I used to send out uh, proposals, I would send one, two, three pages max. And people would laugh at me and say, why aren't you sending out the whole book? I said, because the whole book's not going to get written on their train ride out to Westchester. But three pages is going to get read immediately. And then they're going to say, oh my God, I need more, more, more. So I use that in my investing. And I tell that to founders Give me something that really grabs me immediately. Now, let's get back to the problem. It's got to be a big problem you're solving. If this is a pretty good problem, uh, you know, a, a number of people have it, I don't, that's not enough for me. It has to be a huge problem and you're solving it. It has to be, now, here's an example, edible. That's not a huge problem, okay? But it's a lovely product. It's a terrific product and it will get purchased. Yes. There are other things that have been brought to me that are like for lactose intolerant, uh, an ice cream. Yeah, that had uh, literally had the lactate built into the ice cream and the uh, cheese cream. so that people who were dairy and t- now that's a different story. Now you're facing a really big problem with a right. really great, unusual patented solution. Right, right. You said patented solution. Is that what you just said? I did. Well, that and that was that was actually patent pending. But you've got to try protect yourself. You've got to make sure that you don't. Otherwise, it's going to be a hobby and someone's going to steal it. Well, that's one of the first questions. What about this is proprietary? Now, the other thing I hear from in, uh, startups is, well, I don't want to reveal it because with the patents, you have to give the formula. And so theoretically, someone else can borrow it or use it right before it becomes patent pending. Well, there's also an element of trust. And I think at the angel level, I believe there's a pretty high level of trust because I'm basically going to be your partner. We're, gonna, we're getting married. I'm not a big VC firm. That could then go to somebody and say, hey, let's do this. Let's steal this. But you're right. There, it, it's, there's nothing wrong. I, I never have a problem signing an NDA. And there's nothing problematic with asking someone to sign a non-disclosure, non-disclosure agreement. agreement. So let's talk about angel investing. 100000 250000 what, what, uh, what do you consider angel investing? The goalpost has moved so significantly since I started five, six years ago. It used to be that if you wrote a check for $15,000, you own the whole company. and <laughs> You know, and they were valued at fifteen thousand dollars. You know, now it's crazy how this has just uh, erupted into something where a hundred thousand dollars is gonna doesn't even buy you ten percent of the company. And this is I'm talking a back of a napkin idea, not a functioning company. Everything is moving up. So what used to be seed is now you know Series A. And so it used to be that the amount you raised determined what your series was, and that's the amount of the minimum's check size. So I still love, I'll do $25,000 as a part of a spray and pray campaign. Like, uh-huh. ah, no problem. Right. But when I get higher, when I get into the 100000 the 250s, that's when I do more due diligence. Um, I always hold money. I keep money aside for follow-on. So you always want to double down on your winners. Yeah, that's important for people to know. I haven't, I had to learn that the hard way. If they're good, they're going to come back to you for more money and there's going to be another funding round, right? And you get diluted if you're not part of that. And dilution is not always a bad thing. Sometimes we, you know, we call it happy dilution because now, you know, instead of owning 10% of a company, I own 1%, but it's 30 times bigger than it was when I originally invested. So that's okay. Don't be afraid of dilution. 
be afraid of a down round, of course, but not necessarily dilution. There's things called pro rata rights where you want to protect to be able to keep your percentage. But quite frankly, when the numbers get that big, I'm not going to be able to keep 10% of a country uh, uh, company. I'll go as far as I can, but I've saved that extra money. So every time I make an investment, I say to myself, well, I'm comfortable writing this amount and I'm going to put aside 50% more for the next round just to keep on going. And then if it gets better, 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 then you, you know, only you can decide how far you want to keep writing checks. Well, now you're the sole investor in your company, 33 Capital. May I ask why it's called 33? Sure. It's a lucky number in my family. My father created the world of sports law. Uh, there was a movie called Jerry Maguire. My, my dad was the basis of it. And oh, I, my goodness. Uh, <laughs> our lives changed, even though we had all the Celtics and all the Red Sox and so many wonderful clients. Uh, in 1979, Larry Bird came to Boston, where we lived, joined the Celtics. He was number 33. And quite frankly, it changed our lives. It changed my father's business. And it's been our kind of family lucky number. But more importantly, I... I'm very close with Larry and I um, believe in everything that he stands for. And so I'm, I'm making a statement that um, I want to be for drive and fortitude and hard work and honesty and integrity and being the best. And that's what 33 capital is. And there's a reason it's called 33 capital because I will fund a number of different things. It's capital. It's not just venture capital. It's not just, it's not specific. I invested in a play called Jagged Little Pill. That's not a startup, but guess what? what? All run by women. Oh, wow. A woman director, woman producer, Alanis Morissette's music. Uh, everybody involved was a woman. And I said, you know what? This is in my lane. Why not? And we were nominated for 15 Tonys. Oh, fantastic. What an exciting thing. I, I, I invested in a film about homelessness because I thought it was such an important issue. It wasn't a, uh, award-winning, but it was educational for people and it helped change a lot of policies in Los Angeles. I love the fact that you invest in things you're passionate about. Uh, it, may I ask, how many companies or startups have you invested in? and How do you keep track of them all? Well, don't get me wrong. Peloton and Alibaba you know, yeah. pays for my lifestyle. <laughs> so yes, I, there are there are male founded companies that I have been wonderful, you know, including right. Facebook and you know, all of those have been very good to me. Um, they allow me to follow my passion. Got it. They allow me to be able to do this. And I have 24 portfolio companies now. 24. Oh, my goodness. Wow. And you you keep, uh, as you said, you're kind of a partner with some of them. You actually keep, do you have regular meetings with them? You keep up with their progress? I insist that everybody sends out a monthly letter. I tell my investor, my uh, founders, if you don't send letters out, people are going to forget about you. And when you have subsequent rounds, it's going to be more difficult. And um, most of them follow that. And they reach out to me and say, would you make an introduction to this person or that founder? Or I just heard you're going to be doing, speaking at a summit. Could you mention me or whatever it is? Or I love being a strategic partner. That's probably the best part about it because don't forget my old life, I wrote tremendously huge checks, but I didn't feel tremendously. Yes. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I think that's important. A strategic, meaning you've got the right connections for them. You can see what they need in their future and identify a resource. Those uh, introductions are invaluable. Uh, you do it as I a matter of course. About that To all the women listeners who are out there, please be collaborative with your sisters out there. You might not have the means. You may be listening to this and you might say, I barely have money to you know, pay my bills. I can't give any money. You know what? Give support, give friendship, give ideas. You, there are oh, other ways that you can assist your, you know, sisters out there uh, without writing a check. And, don't and talk about it. Promote it in social media. 
uh, share it with other colleagues and friends. Even if you can't write the check, you may have a sister-in-law or friends who can. I think you're right. We have to coalesce around women startups and encourage them and pump them up and give them money when we can. You know, your comment about uh, Peloton and the others makes sense. I, I think when we had our dialogue on the panel, I said, well, a lot of the investments I make, I have to make money on them. And, and you said, well, don't get me wrong here. I also want to make money. But your equation is also about social impact, which I admire so much. Well, thank you. I have to tell you also, I'm having the time of my life. Uh, I have never felt like I really mattered more. And what a wonderful reason to get up every morning. Oh, I love it. I love it, Stacey. Never mattered more. I love it. Well, please give a piece of advice to uh, women funders and to encourage them and uh, tell us what you what you'd recommend. What I want to say to all of them out there is don't be afraid of the words for profit and embrace it and take a chance. Now, every industry has their, their losers, whether it's the film industry, the book industry. That's okay. Don't be afraid. As long as you're funding something you're passionate about and you say to yourself, if my check helped bring this to fruition, I will be the proudest person. If it doesn't, you gave it a try. And then you know what? You write it off like a check to a charity. I love it. Simple. But feel the passion and know that you're doing good in the world. I think you and I are both motivated by that, right? Let's have a positive impact while we're here. We've been very blessed and lucky with what we have, but now it's chance for us to give back, right? And uh, giving I, is the least altruistic thing in the world. Giving is so selfish because nothing feels better. Trust me. Absolutely, you get back much more than you give, and that even that happens with the startups as well. Uh, you learn more from them and their character. So I agree with you. Well, Stacey, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Uh, folks, this has been uh, an interesting conversation. I hope it's inspired many of you to consider starting your own company, you women out there, and for women to step up to be funders and supporters of women's startups. Stacey Feinberg is the uh, leader CEO of 33 Capital LLC, named after Larry Bird and uh, the character he, he exemplifies. I think it's a wonderful story. Thank you, Stacey, for being on the show. We really appreciate it. My pleasure. It was an honor. Thank you for spending time with us on The Deciders with insights and inspiring stories, particularly these words for startups and women funders. You can hear our podcast anytime on our website at FraserCommunications.com. Fraser is a full-service advertising and communications firm. You can find us at FraserCommunications.com. We'll be back next week here on The Deciders with Renee Fraser. Have a wonderful week ahead.